give you all glory. We give you all honor. We give you all praise. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Just 10 seconds more. Come on. We thank you, Lord. We worship you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. For the amazing grace of God. Saved a wretch like us. We were blind, but now we see. We were lost, but now we're found. And we say thank you. Thank you, Jesus. And everybody says, amen. Why don't you grab a seat and say hi to someone next to you, just as you do that. And I just want to give greetings also to those who are watching online. We are so glad you can join us today, and we pray you'd uh, be blessed by the service. And we're going to be having a time of communion a little bit later on, so I'd encourage you to Wherever you are, uh, whip to the kitchen or make that ready. Get that ready as we prepare to partake in communion. Wow, it's just so good to see people in the house again and to be able to worship God together where two or three are gathered. He's here in the midst of us. So I want to say kia ora. I want to say bulla. I want to say namaste. <laughs> Whatever part of the world you are from, wherever you're watching from, a, a, a big welcome from, from us here also to Pastor Janine and those from our Tawa campus. Can we welcome them here today and just joining us on team and reading that? So, so great to have you, have you here. So good. I, I actually got in trouble. Sorry, Brad. Brad up there doing the online because I was like, oh, don't start on time. I'm enjoying listening to everybody talking and fellowshipping, but of course I forgot it went online. <laughs> and so Brad's upstairs going, what is he doing? What is he doing? I said, I'll, I'll tell you what I was doing, Brad. I was just enjoying the fellowship in the house. Anybody else looking forward to some enjoying some fellowship in the house? So sorry for mucking, mucking that up. Brad, please forgive me. It's, I'm, I won't do it again. But as we prepare, oh, I might, I don't know. As we prepare for communion on this Good Friday, it kind of blows my mind. I, I say this every year, but, it, but thinking about it even just over the, the last week, that for 2,000 plus years, from the apostles to believers who have gone and are no more, for 2,000 plus years, believers have been gathering on this day to remember what Christ has done on the cross. And of course, today we join with millions around the world and every nook and cranny of the globe to remember the cross of Christ, to honor God and to give glory, glory alone to, to Him.
And so as we prepare for communion, let us also begin by preparing our hearts, getting our hearts, hearts ready as I share a few thoughts around what Christ has done. I pray it stirs your heart today. But as we begin, I, I want to start by, by saying we know, and we've been talking about it online, it feels so good to be talking to people, not a camera. I can move now again. I was locked into my, my pulpit. Don't move. I can move. But we know from God's divine library, the Bible, when we, when we think about it, we understand that it is made up of the Old and New Testaments. And there is an old saying about them. Maybe you've heard it. It's an old, I don't know if it's an old Pentecostal saying. But it goes something like this. It says, the new is in the old concealed. And the old is in the new revealed. The, the New Testament is in the Old Testament concealed. The old is in the new revealed. And meaning within the scriptures in the Old Testament, there are all kinds of shadows and types and symbolism that, that can't be fully understood except in the context of the of the new covenant, of the new testament. And I want to share something around that that's been special to me that I hope will also bless you today. In an upper room of a house on the outskirts of Jerusalem in the shadow of the Mount of Olives. Jesus gathers his disciples for what is called today traditionally the Lord's Supper. Judas was about to betray him. A Roman cross would next day slay him. And it tells us in Luke, as has already been read in our first reading, that when the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table. And he said to them, I have eagerly desired I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. Now there are many different elements to the ancient Jewish Passover meal that is again even right now happening around the world. But there are many elements to the ancient Jewish Passover meal that Jesus was sharing with his disciples. But I, I want to talk about only one today. I want to talk about the matzah, which simply means the unleavened bread. I, I, I simply want to talk about the unleavened bread, the matzah as it is called. In Deuteronomy verse 16, it says, Celebrate the Passover. Celebrate the Passover of the Lord because in the month of Aviv, He brought you out of Egypt by night. Do not eat it with bread made with yeast, but for seven days eat unleavened bread, the bread of affliction. The Passover meal to this day, as you 
know if you've been around the Bible for a while that to this day, the Passover meal remembers God's miraculous deliverance. God's miraculous deliverance of the Israelites from slavery in Egypt. The Passover meal itself is full, in fact, of symbols of salvation. The matzah being just one. The matzah is unleavened bread. Meaning it is bread without, made without yeast. It's flat bread. And again, if you're familiar with the Bible, you will know that throughout Scripture, leaven or yeast is symbolic of what? It's symbolic of fermentation. It's symbolic of corruption. It's symbolic of sin. Leviticus 2 verse 11 says, No grain offering which you bring to the Lord shall be made with leaven, shall be made with yeast. In other words, the offering was to be made without leaven as a symbol of that which is uncorrupted, as a symbol of that which was untainted, as a symbol of that which was holy before the Lord. Jesus himself warned us in Matthew 8 and Matthew 16 and Luke 13 as well to beware of the yeast or the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. A little yeast, a little leaven going through the dough will affect it, affect it all. So matzah is unleavened bread. I want you to notice that matzah bread also in appearance when we look at it. Matzah bread looks like it is bruised. It happens due to the Rapid baking process. There should be a photo coming up. The appearance looks like it's bruised. This, this happens because as it is baked rapidly, it burns and appears bruised. You can see this on Indian flatbreads and naans and stuff that is cooked in hot, very hot ovens. But more than that, on a closer inspection, what I want you to notice today as we look at this ancient Passover bread, what I want you to notice in this next photo is that the matzah bread is both pierced and striped. It is both pierced and striped. It is pierced and striped. Why? To try and stop the bread from rising. There's a message right in there right now. It is pierced and striped to stop the bread from rising. The new is in the old concealed. The old is in the new revealed. When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table. And he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. And in verse 19, it says, Jesus took bread. He took the matzah. 
took this bread and he gave thanks and he broke it. Saying, this is my body given for you, bruised, pierced, broken, striped. Do this in remembrance of me. The new is in the old concealed. The old is in the new Reveal Jesus, our sinless Savior. Jesus, your sinless Savior, likened himself to the unleavened bread, uncorrupted, untainted by the world. Jesus, our righteous Redeemer, the one who knew no sin, who became sin for us, who did what we could not do, the one who knew no sin, this unleavened matzah bread, Jesus said, represents, is symbolic of my body given for you. Of course, the disciples at that moment, they wouldn't have understood what was going on. They wouldn't have they wouldn't have fathomed all that was being said at that moment. In fact, only we do because we can look back on that which has taken place. They were living looking forward. They didn't know what was about to take place. When, it's only when looking back that we can, we can make sense of it. The new is in the old concealed. The old is in the new revealed. Hundreds of years earlier, the prophet Isaiah wrote prophetically of the coming suffering servant of Israel, the one who would not only be sinless, but pierced, striped. The prophet said he had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain, like one from whom people hide their faces. He was despised and we held him in low esteem. Surely, surely, well, my friend, if you doubt it, I want to tell you, surely, surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. Isaiah went on to say, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was bruised, it says in many versions, crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace, punishment that brought us peace, was upon him, and by his stripes, we are healed. The new is in the old concealed. The old is in the new revealed. And so as we partake in the bread of communion today, we we eat wafer, we eat a loaf, But my hope today 
and in the days ahead is that whenever you and I take communion, whenever you hear the words, this is my body. This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me, that you would remember the significance and symbolism of the original Passover matzah, the unleavened bread, pierced, bruised, broken, and striped. That it would encourage us to see, because this is the thing, when I, when I think about this, when I see this prophetically spoken about, when I see it woven into Scripture, what it reveals to me that God, the cross was no last minute thing, that God throughout eternity has thought, planned, prepared, spoken to the prophets, declared, put it in every piece of symbolism that can be found, prepared for us. That God's fingerprint and plan for our redemption and for our salvation has worked its way throughout the ages. Then the Old Testament, a shadow concealed. And the New Testament, through Christ, its true meaning revealed. But he was pierced, nailed in his hands and his feet, a spear in his side. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was, he was bruised for our iniquities. And the punishment that brought us peace, you peace, was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. It goes on to say, the prophet speaking, all like sheep, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him. The iniquity of us all. In verse 12, it says, He bore the sin of many. In a small devotion I received last week, the writer said this, I've been struck once again by the disgusting and degrading nature of Christ's cross. An execution, listen, so vile that Roman citizens were exempt. A punishment so cruel that only the worst were condemned to this torture. The writer says it begs the question, what kind of wrong could only be righted by such a sickening act? Or as Fleming Rutledge asks, what sort of predicament are you and I in that we should require the crucifixion of the Son of God? And the writer says, we live in a world that speaks little of our sin. We live in a world that speaks little of our sin and its consequences. We tend to talk of our mistakes, our weaknesses, or poor choices, but not our willful rebellion against God. He bore the sin of many. Thank you, Jesus. On that cross, he was pierced, bruised, and by his stripes, we are, you are healed, redeemed. Thank you, Jesus. For understand this, this Jesus, all who was the bread of affliction, the bread of suffering, this same Jesus 
This same Jesus who is the bread of suffering, the bread of affliction. This same Jesus, my friend, is also the bread of life. And through his affliction, you and I can attain life. Jesus declared in John 6, 35, I am the bread of life. And he says, whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Would you come to him? Friend, if you don't know him today, would you come to him? I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Evangelist and Bible teacher G. Campbell Morgan said, In the cross, sin is cursed and canceled. In the cross, grace is victorious and available. Both affliction and freedom is found in the bread and body of Christ. Through his affliction, you and I can partake of his life. And so on this Good Friday, as we prepare to receive communion, let us come. Let us come as the apostles and believers have done for over 2,000 years. Let us come afresh to him. Let us come to his table. Who can come? Well, whomsoever. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whomsoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Whomsoever can come. The sinner, you can come. Those needing redemption, you can come. Those hungry and thirsty for God's deep work in their life, you can come. You can come. He will set the slave to sin free. You will see the lost found, the sick healed. For the bread of affliction is also the bread of life. We thank Jesus for that today. So as we partake, as we eat the bread and drink the cup, we can do so with grateful hearts. With grateful hearts. Knowing that for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. As you walked in here today, you would have been handed a communion cup that looks like this. And I want us to prepare that cup now and get it ready. And all you've got to do, just, just before you do it, if you haven't seen one of these before, there's two layers, just the plastic bit on the top. You pull that off first, that gets... the bread, and then the second layer, you pull it off to get the, get the drink. Those at home watching, I pray that you've prepared and got this ready. Just hold it once you've got it open. with a thankful heart 
as we prepare to take communion. We're going to do so in our own time as the worship team ministers to us in song. Throughout that, as you feel, let us thank God for the bread and for the cup. That through his affliction, we can truly know his life and freedom today. Tara. This is communion, your body broken, the cup we're drinking is bittersweet, the gift of friendship, truest salvation, born of your suffering on Calvary. We remember the sacrifice of love. We remember the blood poured out for us. We remember the only Son of God upon the cross. From stain to spotless, from wrath to favor, through you our Savior. The work complete in full repentance, led by your kindness, partake of presence as we receive. We remember the sacrifice of love. We remember the blood poured out for us. We remember the only Son of God upon the cross. We remember the price you had to pay. We remember the wounds that made a way. We remember the slain upon the cross how can it be there is a table for all who would come for all who would come taste now and see there is a table for all who would come for all who would come, how can it be? Take up the bread, receive. There is a table for His mercy is enough. The many and the world. This is communion. Taste now,
the Bible says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus the beauty of the cross is that God came down not that we have to reach up God made a way where there seemed to be no way have you given your life to Christ As a drug addict many years ago, I turned at 20 years old. God turned my life around in a meeting like this. He can do that for you today. You might be here going, well, God wouldn't love a person like me. Friend, it's not about you. It's not about what you've done or haven't done, how good you've been or how bad you've been. It's about what Christ has done on the cross. He died on the cross so that you, being the whomsoever, can know him, that you who are lost can be found. You need to get right with him today. What does that mean? It means to turn from our sin and turn towards God. Say, God, I'm sick of doing this. This life I've tried. and I've, I, I, I've, Friend, I want to tell you, it's really just handing your life over to God and say, God, you be on the throne of my life. You be king of my my life. I ain't just going to do what I want to do. I'm going to let you do it. I've tried to do it my way. I've mucked it up. You might be fancy on the outside, but you're a mess on the inside. And you know today you need to get right with Him with every head bowed and every eye closed. If you're here and you're saying, that's me, Pastor, would you say a prayer for me? Yes, I will. But if you don't want to be included in that prayer today and you're saying, that's me, Pastor, I need to get right with Him today with every head bowed and every eye closed. No one, this is a holy moment between you and God. Would you, wherever you're sitting, just put your hand up and say, that's me, Pastor. All you're saying is, include me in that prayer. Is there anyone here? You know you need to get right with God. You need that fresh start. You need a new beginning right now. Wherever you are, just put your hand up and just say, I need to get right with Him today. Don't leave this place without getting right with him. Oh, Jesus. If you're here and you know you should, I mean, again, not fear of man, just, again, you know you need to get right with God. This is a moment. Wherever you're sitting, just, just say, that's me, Pastor. I don't know who it is, but there's someone. It's me, Pastor. I need to get right with him. Today. Hallelujah. Lord, we thank you for your grace, for your mercy. We thank you that you first loved us. That yet while we were still sinners, Christ loved us. So we thank you today for your mercy and for your grace.
for your body broken, pierced, bruised, and striped. And everybody said, Amen.